The Guardian. The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook when you sign up for a one-month, no-commitment trial of the Audible service. Audible has over 50,000 audiobook titles available to download. Go to guardian.co.uk slash audible for further details. Hello, this is a special edition of the Guardian Focus podcast, looking at the strange case of the Occupy London movement and a vicar who has become a folk hero. When a group of anti-capitalist protesters were moved on from London's banking district, they found themselves outside one of London's most famous landmarks, St Paul's Cathedral. Police were poised to disperse them, but the Reverend Dr Giles Fraser emerged from the cathedral and asked police and protesters to move from the steps. He said he supported their right to protest peacefully and they duly set up camp in the square. A couple of days later, and with the protesters showing no signs of leaving, St Paul's decided to close its doors, citing health and safety concerns stemming from the camp. There are now plans to use legal action to evict the Occupy London demo. On Thursday, Reverend Giles Fraser announced on Twitter that he was resigning from his position at the cathedral. He told The Guardian's editor, Alan Rusbridger, how he came to his decision. I was aware that, um, I think through Twitter and so forth, that the um, Occupy, the stock exchange, people were coming. But... um, I don't think anybody was expecting the size of the people, the numbers that came. And on Sunday morning at half past seven, I went out for an eight o'clock communion service that was happening in the, in the cathedral. And there was a, a line of police along the west steps of the cathedral, something like 100 police in two deep lined on the west steps, and a dozen or so protesters sitting on the west steps. I asked who was in charge of the police, and I said... I'd like it if the police would come down from the West Steps and I'm going to ask the few protesters who were on the West Steps if they'd also stand aside as well. The police came down and the protesters moved along. So we cleared the West Steps so that people could get to church for the 8 o'clock service. I was asked at that time whether I uh, supported people's right peacefully to protest and I said that I emphatically did. And uh, was always was also asked whether uh, the protesters could come to church, to which I said, everybody's welcome to church. Well, what I didn't do is say, the protesters are very welcome to camp here. I didn't say that. I was really opening the cathedral up, mm. trying to open the cathedral up, and diffuse a bit of a tense situation that had, that, that, on the steps. I didn't even tell all the police to go. Mm. I told the police on the, the west steps if they'd stand aside whilst this happened. So that all happened. I, I don't think there's anything else there of, you know, it's a pretty short encounter, really. Then you went um, in and held the communion service. Then, I mean, so, someone else was taking it, and then we had our services, and they all were, they were fine. I was preaching at the um, 11.30 service, and what you tend to do in times, of, in times of sort of stress and uncertainty is you preach on the readings. So whatever the readings are... You should make sure you stick quite closely to the readings because you're on safe ground with the sermon there. But of course, that morning, 
the readings did have to say, uh, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, and to God that which is God's. And it plunges you right into the issues in St. Matthew's Gospel mm. that are related to the Sermon on the Mount, and you cannot serve God and money and all mm. those sorts of things. So it was a particular sort of irony that that was the mm. subject on which I was asked to preach. It's at times of, of stress when you don't read the Bible, but the Bible reads you. Sometimes it doesn't need too much interpretative source rhetorically in order to understand what it's talking about. Mm. Um, so I stuck very closely to the, to the scriptural readings and that we had. What, what, what do you think it is saying? Well, I mean, uh, one of the interesting things about uh, that passage from Matthew's Gospel is that it has been used as a justification for the absolute separation of church and state, rendered to Caesar and to God. Now, my, my, my colleagues on chapter, who are terrific, I mean, I just absolutely, I've loved my time at St Paul's Cathedral, but it's always been clear from the beginning of this that my red line is that I can't condone any course of action that would mean violence to protesters done in the name of the church. So I've asked the protesters to leave because at one point it looked absolutely clear that with the, the health and safety stuff was that uh, we weren't able to open the cathedral well there and it, was, it, it seemed obvious to me that the right to protest had to be balanced against other rights and responsibilities, the right to worship and so forth. So um, I was very happy to ask the protesters to leave or to scale down the camp. You had external health and safety advice, yes. which was that? Which was that the, the cathedral was not safe to open. Right. So there's a whole lot of it. And the problem with health and safety is it's one of those issues that it's very difficult when your health and safety person says, this is the situation. If you're a lay person, as it were, in terms of health and safety, to go... I mean, we're all intimidated a bit by health and safety mm. stuff, and so forth. So no, nobody wanted to close the cathedral. No, no, no chapter really wanted to close the cathedral, but we felt that that was the right course of action given the advice that we'd received. Um, and then you come out with a statement saying, would you please leave? Yes. So, because um, it seems to me there that in terms of the balance of rights and responsibilities, the right to worship is being impeded by the right to protest. And so... And, and I don't have any problem asking people to leave. That's not my red line. My, you had to be very clear about what your red line was. And my red line was about uh, using violence in the name of the mm. church to clear people on. Mm. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's sort of, you know, none of that is about what my sympathies are or otherwise with the sorts of things that people are talking about mm. in, in the camp. It is sad that the protesters came to, as it were, occupy the stock exchange and ended closing down a cathedral. So you, you absolutely weren't coming under any kind of pressure from... No, 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 that wasn't... From uh, rich, rich bankers no. or corporations? No, or? absolutely not, absolutely not. That's not, that's not this at all, mm. no. So the next issue is, if the cathedral reopens, are we happy for the camp to remain or unhappy with the camp to remain, I guess? Mm. And there were those who felt that it did impede the mission and ministry of the cathedral and there were those who weren't, didn't think that and it's certainly the case that the land on which the, the protesters are, camp, are camped is land that's jointly owned by 
the Cathedral and the Corporation of London. And I think it's fair to say that the Corporation of London is clearer about their desire to see the protesters move on, but that an action, any action would need to be taken jointly, which then puts the Cathedral under pressure to join in with a particular sort of action, legal action, that would get them to move on. Now, obliging to move on, for me, will always contain the possibility... I mean, eviction will always contain the possibility of bailiffs and, and police going in, and I could not countenance the idea that we would have Dale Farm on the... Uh, the, the sort of scenes that we've had, you know, done in the name of the church on the steps of St Paul's. Mm. So the point at which it seemed to me clear that, that that was the course of action on which we were embarked mm. was the point at which I felt I had to resign. Tell me, tell me what you, in general, you think of the camp and what do you think of... The, well, it's certainly the case that, that... During that week, you must have spent quite a lot of time going and talking to them. And a bit, but yeah. after a while, it was very difficult to go into the camp. Too, um, too political. Yes, and, and also there's the problem about you start talking to people, you start seeing as negotiating, so there's all of that particular yeah. sort of anxiety and so forth. I mean, the, the camp is a, a complex and interesting mixture of such a divergent range of views, united largely by what it's against, which is a very legitimate legitimate anger about the way in which wealth has been distributed and the way in which capitalism is currently seen to benefit just a very few people. I think that's a very legitimate anxiety. I think there's an irony that we're having this conversation today on the 25th anniversary of Big Bang, deregulation of the stock exchange, liberalisation of of rules regulating the city and so forth. And, you know, I mean, it seems to me quite clear that, you know, markets were made for man and not man for markets. Um, I'm, and I'm not against capitalism. I'm not one of those people that thinks capitalism is inherently wicked. I, I emphatically do not think that. I think you capitalism... Used to you? I used to be a, um, a socialist, and for a long time I did have the view that there was something that was intrinsically immoral about capitalism. I changed my mind quite fundamentally about that quite a few years ago. In fact, the, 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 my conver I had a sort of conversion experience, which was sitting in Notting Hill Market, and I was reading the chief rabbi um, on the subject, and um, uh, he's got an essay called The Moral Case of the Market Economy. And I was sitting in Notting Hill Market, and he was saying the great thing about markets is they bring people, they bring people together from all around the world. They're very good at at generating in inclusion in a sort of way because the pink pound and the people don't care what colour you are with money or what and, and the great diversity of London is actually generated by London being a market the interesting thing about the, the, the protest camp and made for St Paul's is um, St Paul's is very very good at doing the grandeur and otherness of God it's this beautiful baroque grandeur so you can do Fantastic sermons, as it were, about creation, mystery, otherness, grandeur. But what St Paul's is not, and um, you know, Christopher Wren's forte was not Jesus born in a stable, the sort of church that exists for the poor and for the marginalised. I mean, on Sunday, I I went to church in because. Uh, 
the St Paul's was closed, so we went to say we went to church, and I went to church in Bethnal Green, and it was the most beautiful service. I have to say, I was I was at the back, really quite full up. They hadn't got an organ, and their organ, organ had broken. It wasn't full. It was sort of Catholic inner city worship, and uh, for me, it caught a particular aspect of what I believe, which is, as it were. Incar- more incarnational than, 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 than Wren ever tried to do. And I think, you know, in a sense, what the camp does is it challenges the church with the problem of the incarnation. That you have God who is grand and almighty, gets born in a, in a stable, in a tent. You know, St. Paul was a tent maker. I mean, it's just extraordinary. I mean, for me, the whole idea was, you know, if you looked around and you saw where, um, if you tried to recreate where Jesus would be born, for me, I could imagine Jesus being born in the camp. Mm. So, what, I mean, just, uh, so how, how, long, how long do you stay up? You've resigned, but uh, you, you're out of there now? Or well, or? I have to work out a notice, and I haven't... I mean, these are conversations oh, that, so, that, that, you I'm, know, I mean, uh, this has happened yesterday. I, got I, got a, I have no you, idea. You've got a family and kids. I mean, you're I've not, got a family and kids, yeah. So, so you can't. I'm terrified. You can't. Absolutely terrified. Yeah. I mean, I've got no job to go to. I've got nothing, yeah. you know, there's nothing, there's nothing else that's there. So I'm, I'm um, yeah, I'm very terrified. Yeah. Where, where do you think this leads you in regard to the church? I'm absolutely, completely and utterly committed to the Church of England. I love the Church of England. There's absolutely no way I'd leave the Church of England. Yeah, but I, 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 was, I was just... Yeah, well, I don't I mean, know. What would you like your next I, job to be? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. I mean, these things happen so quickly. Yeah. And you can't, um, you know... I, I mean, sometimes there's no parachute, you know, when there's these sorts of things. I mean, there's no... Uh, you, you can't... You can't spend your life trying to ameliorate the risks of the sorts of things that you have to do. Um, so, you know, today's trouble's sufficient for the day. I'm sure we'll sort that out next week or when all this is over. And have you heard from the Archbishop at all? Uh, he sent me a little note saying that, he was, that I was in his presence. The Guardian has partnered with audible.co.uk to offer listeners a free audiobook when you sign up for a one-month, no-commitment trial of the Audible service. Audible has over 50,000 audiobook titles available to download. Go to guardian.co.uk audible for further details.